All right, welcome into the Duck Territory Spring Game Podcast. I almost forgot what the name of the show was. Where are we going with this? Uh, uh, Matt Frame, Eric Scopel, Kevin Wade. What about uh, the Super Spring Game Special? <laughs> that's right. That's the official title of Kevin's Super Spring, Super game, spring special. game Special. Uh, we're sitting up top the Austin Press Box. Uh, the game is over. Team Mighty Oregon won 20-13 over the Fighting Ducks. Doesn't mean a lot. To be honest with you, I don't even know who is who. Like, I can tell you that Mike Orton was green and Mike Duff was yellow. There you go. That's more than I know. Uh, you tell you you ask me right now who performed on what team. I probably couldn't tell you. I think I could tell you. I feel pretty good about my knowledge of who's on which team, but I understand. It, it, but it, I was it's a weird set. I was more focused on the individual player per se uh, than whatever team was was doing what. That being said, we do know this: uh, Mighty Oregon was the first team offense and Fighting Ducks was the first team defense and then uh, you know down the line as well second team off, uh, second team defense was on Mighty Oregon second team offense was on Fighting Ducks so Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal said they wanted to go good on good that's exactly what we saw and it was a legitimate game yeah which was which was kind of unique from a, a spring game perspective but we and I think we should mention we saw both quarterback Justin Herbert and Tyler Shuck with the second team Fighting Duck uh, offense they played the entire game. We didn't yeah. see any other quarterbacks. Kale Miller, it did sound like he was banged up a little bit, and obviously they had Bradley Yaffe, a walk-on. So not like there's a ton of options, but I thought it was, it was a great opportunity to see basically the top players play four quarters of football. That was actually football. That wasn't yep. some weird two-hand touch thing. I think that was actually really important, and I mean, we'll get into this a little later, but the importance of the spring game, but um, actually having a real game. I mean, yeah. spring games for so long had become just glorified practices with weird setups of, oh, defense get this amount of points for a stop, this much for a turnover, this yeah. much for not allowing the touchdown, they might even get points. So I think it's really important, and Mario Cristobal stressed that, and I think it helped attendance as well. Uh, 35-110 yep. uh, was the number. So I, I'm really happy that we got to see that. It was great from an evaluation. It was great from an understanding of where this team is going to the spring, but it was also much, much more fun to watch, much more yeah. interesting, uh, and I, I can't wait to rewatch it when it goes on the Pac-12 network all the way until September. I'm, I'm, pretty, pretty, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the biggest takeaway, uh, it's kind of what I was trying to focus on my writing, uh, but I think the biggest takeaway from this game was not, hey, we knew Justin Herbert was good. He threw 219 yards, two He's touchdowns, okay. 17 of 32, didn't throw an interception. Uh, it was the guy behind him mm-hmm. and Tyler Shuck's performance. Uh, yeah. He didn't throw a single touchdown, uh, and his offense had uh, a rushing touchdown by Cyrus Abila Keogh, and that's that's it. They had two field goals that they made. But it was just the overall command, the overall play of Tyler Shuck. He, he finished 18 of 31. He did throw an interception to end the game, which I'm not really going to take into account at all. Yeah. And 178 yards. He was sacked once. He had 12 yards on the ground rushing. He looked way better than he did last season uh, in the spring game. And, and I think we should mention that those stats don't sound quite as good, but he was 14 for 18 in the first half, 125 yards. Second half, he was 4 for 13 and, and didn't uh, play quite as well. But that first half, I agree. He made some really big throws and was very impressive. There was an uh, incompletion on a – one of those incompletions was a perfectly placed ball to the sideline. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. The, was it C, uh, Cyrus? Well, I think Delgado had oh, two, two was, passes intended that could have been touched down that, that Yeah, it was yeah, Delgado was the one that yeah. I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a very nice ball. It was very solid. And I think it tells you where Tyler Shuck is, where he is making those passes that you'd almost expect from Justin Herbert. Um, 
it's kind of was a mystery. I mean, going into this spring, we never got to see Tyler throw a ball. Yeah. He had a great spring game last year as a freshman. We didn't get to see him throw a single ball this season. Now it's like, okay, he's capable. I think there's a lot less questions. I mean, yeah. I can't remember his stats from the first spring game up, uh, uh spring scrimmage, which oh, was up in, uh, he was 11 for 21 for something in the touchdown. Yeah, he, he, he looked good in Hillsborough. I remember that. And we were watching that and, I think we walked away thinking, wow, Tyler Shuck outperformed Justin Herbert. Herbert was very upset about how the offense performed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of had inklings that, you know, this was a good year for Tyler Shuck in spring football. You know, Mario Cristobal said that uh, throughout the spring. Players, you know, commented that as well. Today, Cristobal, I asked him, like, you know, does Tyler Shuck's performance kind of stabilize the quarterback depth chart and kind of, you know, your confidence in the whole group? Outside of Herbert, and he said, "Oh, I think so. I think that's the ob- that part is obvious." Uh, and then Juwan Johnson also come comes back and says, uh, he, "Remember, Juwan has spent time with the ones and the twos, right. saying there hasn't been much drop uh, much fall off to Justin Herbert. He's making the right checks, the right decisions with the ball." I, so I, I think walking out of this, Oregon fans have to feel really, really confident. Where they're at with, Just, with Justin Herbert, obviously, and yeah. now Tyler Shuck. Well, Tyler Shuck red, redshirted last year, so that, I think that does come into play um, just overall over the next few long-term projecting out um, the quarterback situation for Oregon. Which yeah. is, I think you look at 2020 now, and you were feeling, I think, maybe a little nervous just yeah. because Justin Herbert is obviously not going to be there. But I think you now feel, and of course, we haven't seen Cale Mellon didn't play today, and they could still add a quarterback. They will still add a quarterback yeah. in this class, and that could be someone very talented. But you feel like if Tyler Shuck is the quarterback in 2020 now, obviously you don't want to overhype a spring, a spring game, but you feel like you'd at least have some confidence that this guy can do some stuff. He made some throws on – I think his, actually his, uh, his ability to move around the pocket and then take off a couple times. He had a couple times where he actually outran Cave on Thibodeau yeah. for first downs. and I, I was pretty impressed with his mobility, which I, which I think we were aware was, that was something he could do, but I, was, I thought that was a little better than I expected too. Eric and I were watching him, what was it, Tuesday's practice when yeah. they were doing rollouts, and I have to say like I was pretty impressed with his fluidity. Um, and just his overall poise in the pocket. Those were just drills, but, I mean, Nevada put a big circle. When we go to talk about Tyler Shuck, Nevada is the big circle because, you know, I'm at Auburn. Who knows what happens in that one, but that's a game. Nevada's Montana. a game. Yeah, those, yeah. Or those early non-conference games. He's, yeah. He better get some run. Other offensive takeaways, I, I think naturally we're all going to maybe want to shift towards receiver and just the two, you know, the guys that are newcomers. I want to, I want to shift to offensive line, veteran group. Yeah. But, uh, the, I mean, there was a few plays where you just saw a hole, mm-hmm. just massive hole against a defense that has looked pretty good this spring. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the offensive line certainly looked good. I, th- I, mean, I, I thought it looked good first I, and second. Team. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something that is going to get overlooked just because, but there's no changes. So, yeah, and then you mentioned wide receiver. I thought Michael Pittman led the team seven catches, 48 yards. He had some moments. Juwan Johnson had the first touchdown of the game. He continues to be a big body around the red zone. He had a second touchdown that looked like, honestly, I think if, if I was ruling that, I think that was a touchdown. They ruled that Thomas Grime. Uh, yeah, that was a really play. Kind of Three steps. held it for a while. I know. Um, but uh, th- that, that was another opportunity for Johnson to make some plays. And then Josh Delgado had, had a really nice catch early on in the scrimmage. And then, again, if Mick Hale Wright doesn't make a couple of pass deflections, he might have had a couple touchdowns. So a lot of young guys, yeah. newcomers, making some moves. It's interesting to see them push for playing time. Yeah. Kind of curious how that uh, how that evolves throughout the, oh, we have a, now have a bird in here, or a moth or something in our room. Nice. Uh, yeah, get distracted easily. Sorry about that. But it will be interesting to see the newcomers pushing for playing time uh, versus the veterans like Jalen. Um, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, uh, 
Brandon Schooler. Brandon Schooler, what happens? I mean, Schooler made probably, I think, the best catch of the day, in he my did. opinion. Uh, just a leaping grab. 26-yard catch. Yeah, it was just a leaping, how to dive for it, got airborne, and, you know. And, and we're hyping the receiving group. Guys didn't, a lot of guys didn't even play. Ryan Addison didn't play. Isaiah Crocker didn't play. They've got a couple of freshmen uh, that aren't enrolled yet. This is a receiving group that I think you kind drastically look for a while, we wondered about drop passes. I don't think there were really any by the receivers the whole game. The tight ends had a couple that weren't great. I think Spencer Webb and Ryan Bay and Cam McCormick each had a drop here or there. But for the most part, actually pretty clean catching, which is not something we're all that familiar with the last couple of seasons. It, it, it looked really good. And I think overall for an offense that returned so much of the core, um, you feel pretty good about the newcomers making a a big improvement to a already solid group of guys. One final comment about the offense that I thought is – Interesting is I, look, I I like the running backs and mm-hmm. out of the backfield in the passing game. Verdell had that 64 yarder where he almost scored a touchdown. Uh, he finished with 72 yards receiving on two catches, and then Cyrus Abila Keo, uh, much like last spring game, much like the first spring scrimmage that we watched, he showed off his versatility once again. He led his team, which was the Fighting Ducks in all-purpose yards, with 69. Uh, he ran for 45, and then he had 26 yard or 24 yards on. on uh, reception, 16 of them coming on one play. So I, I think he's, yeah. you know, to, there's positives to get from this running I'll back. I'll be curious to see what he, he can do in the fall and, and how much they try to utilize him, but I think he did show his all-around game. Better. Sucks for Darian Felix that he was not able to yeah. participate today with the flu. Um, I mean, he's a guy that was injured last year. We, he, I mean, he flashed his freshman year, or his what, redshirt year. What, I don't know. He played the full year, so he had a redshirt last year. So he flashed. Everyone was excited to see what he can do. And he just he flashed in the, uh, the Portland scrimmage. Yeah, great Portland yeah. scrimmage. I think he had like a 60-yard touchdown. That. Yeah, and, and people, people were excited. There was a lot of buzz around him, and then came down with the flu and missed so. the scrimmage. It'd be interesting to see what the the running back situation looks like, especially with Sean Dollars and Jeremiah, or sorry, and Javon Wilson being added to the group this summer. Could be a different group. It'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. Shifting over to the defensive side of the football, we should know uh, if you look at this group. Um, in the stats here, a lot of the starters didn't play a lot. A lot of the veteran starters, yeah. most notably Troy Dye. I think he played one series and then his pads were taken off uh, in that in this game just because there's really no reason to have your most important defensive player who plays a position that is going to get a lot of contact to get hurt. Um, I think Drayton Kralberg maybe left with an injury and um, Hockey, Woods, Hockey Woods, Woods had an injury. Pretty but it, though. It was pretty healthy scrimmage. Pretty healthy scrimmage. Um, from a defensive standpoint, you know, Carlberg and Hockey Woods both walked off under their own power, so I don't think it looked like it was I, I anything. Carlberg was more angry that he got hurt yeah. than actually being hurt. But overall, this was an opportunity to see a lot of the younger guys perform. And you look at both teams, Fighting Ducks and Mighty Oregon, and both of them are led by guys, uh, statistically at least, that weren't major players or weren't even here last year. For, for the defense. Yeah, and I, I think we should start with Mikhail Wright. I, you know, I thought I thought he was one of the better players in the field. Yeah, like we I should know really, Thomas Graham has said he's a preseason freshman All-American. And we should also mention Thomas Graham had a great game. We mentioned uh, Wright had a couple pass breakups. Graham also did that would have gone for a touchdown. But Wright, Wright I think, looks like somebody that's going to be a player right away. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, he finished the game with an interception. He was credited with three pass breakups and five tackles. He was pretty much everywhere all day. I think somebody that... 
obviously, if you're really good about Thomas Graham and DeAndre Lenore, two guys have started now for a while. But you're going to need more than one right corners. It's going to be a guy that if something happens, they're. I mean, I think he will push for playing time against those two. And absolutely. I mean, think of it this way: if he would play a senior season, I think there's a good shot that he would have been a five star. He hasn't played football in over a year. Contact football. That's a great point. Which is actually, I think I I tweeted that during the game because it's just almost astounding to me that this guy. This is his first contact game, though it is a scrimmage. Uh, in front of fans in a year and a half. Yeah, he didn't even scrimmage in Portland because he, I think he was back in for his like, school dance or something. Yeah, he had prom, I think, yeah. is what they said. I mean, he did play in one of the All-American games, but... Yeah, has not played a lot of football. Yeah, so that, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I mean, I think the uh, the big player, I mean, the other the, the five-star, the, the five uh, Kayvon Thibodeau... He looked good. I mean, yeah, it's it, it went without saying. I mean, Mario Cristobal named the other ten... Uh, newcomers, and then was like, oh, am I missing someone? And uh, everyone in the room knew exactly what you he know, was doing. And I thought the cool thing with Thibodeau was was that he went out, and, and statistically it's not going to jump out, but he, he was in the backfield a lot. And, yeah, and, and that's the thing with defensive linemen. It's it, tough for them to get stats. And, and he did have one sack. It was a big sack. I think it ended a drive in the red zone that could have gone for some points for, for the uh, Fighting Oregon, or Fighting Ducks yeah. team, but uh, Thibodeau said after the game, I thought this was cool that he wasn't pleased with his play. Yeah. And and I and again I, I asked the question thinking like, oh he played really well, he's going to feel good about himself. He's oh no, the game was going too fast. There's too much going on pre-snap. I had a hard time with the tempo of the, of the game. So somebody that has obviously immense talent and somebody who's going to be a big player. He has today. He has five star talent and then oh, he yeah. has five star motor. I yeah, mean, like, uh, Chris Wall said five star heart. Yeah, I mean he's he's the guy that that look. There are recruits that come in, you know, and know that at the high school level they can turn it on whenever they need to and, and dominate. And uh, you, you see that in basketball, you see that in football. And then there's guys that are five star players and they don't turn it off. They always work hard when everyone's watching, and they always work hard when everyone isn't watching. And, and from our early indications, that's who Kayvon Thibodeau is. He's a he's a worker. And you you listen to Mario Cristobal talk. He loves this dude, and he gushed about him and the potential he has. But he also t- talked a lot about the, imp- the potential he has to, you know, work hard and get better and, and help push this team. And, and that's kind of why he was such a big recruit because a he's talented, immensely talented. But b he's kind of that alpha that that this team needs or needs more of. Uh, to, you know, to keep pushing them to a higher level that they're, that they're going to. He's only been on campus for I guess now three and a half months. Yeah, since January, but. Um, Got four months of the season. I think uh, he's a kid that we're going to be watching closely during, after they they start fall camp in August to see how the uh, three months of off-season training goes. I was going to say, the big thing with him is I think he can put on like 15, 20 pounds a month. He said he's getting bigger. He, he needs I mean, they're, they're getting he, pro, he said he's getting protein shakes after every workout. So I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's somebody that, that his body isn't quite where it is, but I mean, he has such clear upside that, and that came across today throughout. It's really interesting to see that, like, a lot of people said, oh, he can play linebacker. Uh, no, he, he's definitely a defensive end. Yeah, and I think he'll be playing closer to 260 by the fall, is my guess. Yeah. Mario Cristobal and his staff promoted this spring game like uh, we've never seen before in terms of just, you know, flooding the social media markets, flooding the radio airs. coaching staff. Yeah, there was okay. a ton of stuff that was out there about promoting fans to come to this game. Uh, he talked a lot about it during press conferences and media availabilities leading up to it and the importance of it. And then today, afterwards, I mean, I, we've seen bigger crowds. We've seen much bigger crowds. But this was pretty impressive, 35,110 people here. And quite honestly, what's their biggest accomplishment the last 
three or four years. Like, you know, there's this, you know, Oregon had over 40,000, I think, once for a spring game, and it was after a national championship playoff. They, playoff they, they had two hit the 40,000 mark, yeah, 2012, and, like 2015. You know, and so. those are coming off just epic, you know, Big one year. of the be- biggest years in, in, in school history for football, and yet, you know, they have crowds that are rivaling that. And I, to be able to, you know, capture the audience and then, you know, Christopher talked about the importance of it. He wants to grow this into, you know, something even more, which is, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what his envision is of this, and he, he kind of talked about it today. And, and we should mention that there were a ton of alumni, very, you know, big status players here. I mean, Marcus Mariota was here, yep. Kenyon Barner, all sorts of big names were, were at this event, and that is something that they're I also think proud of. Almost every NFL, current NFL duck was here. Yeah, and that, 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 that is not something that happens frequently. They made, mm-hmm. clearly made a concerted effort to make sure that was the case. He's they saying, made an effort to get Jeremiah Mazzoli yeah, back on campus. That is, that is the biggest one to me. I mean... After his his dismissal, uh, he went. He was kind of always. He never really saw him get mentioned as a former duck. I mean, he was lighting up for a little bit there in the CFL, but you just never saw any love showed to him. And now this weekend, he was down there. He was with the other quarterbacks. They're tweeting about his his presence on campus. They had a. I think there was a tweet like a lot of wins between these three guys, and it was Dennis Dixon, Jeremiah Masoli, Marcus Mariota. Um, I think Darren Thomas, surprisingly, I didn't see him down there. He may be at a seven-on-seven event yeah, because true. he does coach seven-on-seven, and you know, I know, yeah. you know, two and eight lives in Eugene, and he he's not here. Yeah, so um, I think I mean, and he's a regular. That Michael James is probably busy running his restaurant. <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, that you know, and he he may. I thought it was really cool that Cristobal. This is why I think Cristobal is a good coach. He gets it. He understands that you know, there's more than just winning games right. because. You are building a a program and building a community and, and all that. And he said he wants to meet as many former players as he can. And then he made a point to say that while he enjoys meeting the greats, the Marcus Mariotas, the Dan Fouts, the Jeremiah Mazzolis, uh, the Kenyon Barners that were here uh, at, at the game watching, he also – Dennis Dixon, excuse me – he also wants – to meet the guys that aren't the greats, the guys that did the heavy lifting that got no recognition because he said those guys are equally as important as the superstar that went on to, to star in the NFL. And, you know, the dude just gets it. And when he turned down Miami, you know, this offseason uh, to stay here and, you know, hearing comments, stuff like that, the more and more I, I think Mario is a lifer at Oregon, uh, unless something drastically changes for him. I think one thing to note is they, the way that they had all of the, the alumni together walk onto the field. Yep. Um, and you just look at some of those guys. I mean, a lot of those players, those former players are doing some great things. I mean, I noticed a few that are local high school football coaches somewhere in the Oregon area, some, some in California, and just strengthening those ties of guys who used to play at Oregon and bringing them back here this weekend. It can't hurt. It can't build relationships. And it just says, hey, Oregon is a place that won't take just care of you your four years in college. It takes care of you the rest of your life. And you talk to recruits, and we'll get there in a minute, but you talk to recruits, and they say, I want to go to a place that's going to take care of me for now. My college football maybe put me in the league, but after I graduate, I want somewhere where I know I have that network that I can rely upon. And that leads us right into the recruiting aspect of this one. Um, We've seen a verbal commitment this morning. From the spring game from Chris Hudson. Uh, a, not even here. <laughs> yeah, a, four, a four-star receiver who's not even on campus. He, he just was ready to pull the trigger. He was here last weekend. and uh, Yesterday we saw uh, Jaden Navet, uh, a, a four-star outside linebacker slash athlete, 
a guy that was committed to LSU just two weeks ago. Uh, he flipped his commitment to Oregon. So Oregon, excuse me, Oregon from a, a recruiting standpoint, they're incredibly hot right now. I, I, I said on our message board, I would think a total of about four commitments would probably happen um, during this recruiting weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday. Maybe into, yeah, into um, Tuesday. I think know, some kids will want to go home. Some kids need to, to digest it a little bit. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going home and, and maybe no. talking to your high school coach a little bit. But a lot of the heavy lifting now for recruiting is going to happen now as we're doing this podcast because as we were walking back from the press conference, all the players, all the coaches, all the recruits, they were going to Austin's um, club level section of the, of the press box. And there is a big, you know, just recruiting function going on right now. And this is where, you know, Mario Cristobal's staff is going to, you know, really excel because he talked about it. They do a really good job of selling the program and getting getting families involved and interactive with not only the staff, the staff's family, but also the players and their, and their families. As I was walking up, you saw a bunch of the coaching staff's families walking in, talking with the recruits, uh, the players. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, Justin Herbert were making their way up there as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it is a full staff, full family, full player uh, experience. Um, and they, they want you to know that it, it's family. And I think that's, one of those things that the Ducks have done really well, and you talk about the, the two commitments that came this week. One is from uh, Jay Nibirette from Norco High School, uh, who the Ducks have the Die brothers, Travis and Troy, uh, on the roster. And they also have a commitment from, they got last week from uh, Jay Nott, a 2022 kid. So they've built a really strong relationship with that high school. Um, this morning, the commitment from Chris Hudson, St. John Bosco. They signed Kobe Pet, or sorry, they signed Suava Potty. Cody last week, they had a bunch of kids like Kobe Pepe um, on campus last week. Delgado went to Bosco. Delgado did go to Bosco. Uh, I mean, it's the, it is one of the biggest schools, I think, um, them and Modern Air, the two big private schools in the SoCal area. They're building family ties, and the more guys you get from there, the more guys want to play with their friends, their family members, uh, people they've grown up with. Uh, Modern Day has also been a pipeline. Narbonne has become a pipeline. Anthony Beavers, Jonah Town, New, uh, Seven McGee. Anthony Beavers and Seven McGee were the two big recruiters on the field. I mean, you saw them dragging the recruits across the field, say, hey, come watch this. Uh, put up the O. We just, it, it was incredible to see, and um, I, I feel like we can't do this podcast without uh, addressing a certain five star. Who does that mean? <laughs> well, we should say because there are multiple on campus. Oh, oh yeah, there are. There nice, are. Nice, nice, nice. Good there, job. There are multiple on campus. Um, Which certain one? Uh, DJU. DJU. The Ungalele. Uh, I did. I did figure out how to say it. So say it again on here. Ungalele. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I will not took pronounce a, that that way. Took a lot of coaching, and I still think it's wrong. So, um, yeah. It, it, He's on campus, um, saw him being walked onto the field by Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, he did have a tweet about, uh, was it Thursday or Friday morning, where he talked about Jeremiah Masoli was one of his uh, childhood idols and showed him that, hey, a Polynesian can play quarterback at a high level. So uh, definitely a big uh, push by the Ducks to bring back Jeremiah Masoli and then for him to be helping with the recruiting effort. Yeah. You saw... Uh, Marcus Mariota make a stop over to go talk with DJ and his family. Dennis yeah, Dixon. They went all out. They, they went all out bringing in a very strong list of quarterbacks. 
uh, that have played at Oregon to help recruit um, arguably one of the top quarterback prospects in recent memory. Right? I, he's I number one for, t- for 2020. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a prototypical monster of an arm. Um, ironically, the only quarterback that I really think he, uh, arm-wise that he compares to is Trevor Lawrence, the current Clemson quarterback, who Clemson happens to be the other school. Um, and currently, a lot of people think the heavy favorite for DJU. Be interesting to see what happens, um, what the Ducks can do, how they can fight in this race. I mean, last year you saw Kayvon Thibodeau take uh, the visit for the spring game, and I think the Ducks really weren't in the conversation back then for Kayvon uh, and instantly jumped into his official visits uh, right after that. And then the, he official visited for the Washington game, and you know Ducks became the leader and uh, stuck on for the commitment. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens now especially since DJ is going to be making his commitment rather soon. Uh, That's going to do it for us on the Duck Territory podcast. For Kevin, for Eric, for myself, thanks for listening. Make sure to go to duckterritory.com, subscribe $1 for your first 30 days, or you can subscribe for an annual subscription, 30% off our normal price. It's been slashed, it's cut, it's not moving. Uh, To our knowledge, it's less than $6.50 a month. So go to duckterritory.com, subscribe. We will see you on the site. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you guys later.